Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Today we're going to get the facts on the Nutrition Facts Label. So this week I did a survey on my Facebook page. I saw that. <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I When I think about the Nutrition Facts Label, I kind of backed up a little bit, and when I do a lot of my presentations, one of the things that I talk about is, why do we make our eating decisions? Hmm. And so if you think about it, there was a survey that was done in 2007, a food and health survey about the four pillars, taste, price, health, and convenience. Okay. So asking consumers, what is number one in your mind as to why you choose what you choose? Okay. So I asked that of the people who follow my Facebook page, and I had 26 responses in the last two days, you know, just a couple days, and health was the number one response at 54%. That's interesting. Isn't it? That's interesting. Over taste. Hmm. But taste was second okay. at 42%. No one said convenience. But here's the rub on that. I don't have a lot of millennials following me, probably. Okay. <laughs> it's an age thing, right? And it's the survey and who I researched with. I can see that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll explain why I said that in, a, in just a minute. And then we did have somebody, uh, we had 4% at price. So we had someone that price is the most important. And I can see that too. Absolutely. I do wonder, you know, if you took more of a general survey Rather than Facebook friends, if maybe right. price might have been higher. Who knows? Yeah. So if you look at that 2007 survey, mm -hmm. their results were 53% taste, okay, 37% price. Right. And that was over health at 25%. And very, very interesting. And convenience came in at 23%. Hmm. So, and the reason I say that about millennials was my kids are millennials and, and when... I saw a show on NBC, they did a morning show and they were talking about convenience and, mm -hmm. and why and what do people eat at breakfast. Right. And millennials, they w won't eat a bowl of cereal because it requires you to have a bowl and a spoon. Oh my goodness. That you would have to wash. So Wow. <laughs> so when we talk about convenience, there's a, there's an extreme to that. I've lost touch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> But I, I'm going to kind of go with, because I think that the people that responded with health and taste, that's that's traditionally what we kind of get back to. And I think health being important, I think it's a good thing to look at the Nutrition Facts label. So let's talk a little bit about the history of the Nutrition Facts label. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of reading because the Nutrition Facts label isn't something that just sort of magically appeared on your cereal box one morning. Um, there's actually a little bit of interesting history behind it. And you might not be old enough to remember, maybe some of our listeners are, but before the 1960s, most food products were sold with just kind of those basic ingredients and that because so much food was prepared in the home, yeah, just using ingredients, and, and I'm sure there are many of our listeners who would love for us to go go back to that. Uh huh. I mean, I think we could go back to some of that, mm -hmm. maybe preparing from more from fresh or unprocessed yes. ingredients. However, I also live in the real world, but that's probably <laughs> not. We kind of that ship has probably already sailed. Yeah. Um, but there was really not a whole lot of need for nutrition labeling, and at that point. Only like really special dietary things, maybe, you know, if there was something needed for a calorie count or sodium content, but that was actually the exception and not the rule. 
But during the 1960s, more processed foods hit the, the marketplace and manufacturers were really making misleading claims. Hmm. So you might see something that says extremely low in saturated fat, you know, uh-huh. but there was no, you know, science behind what did that mean? Yeah. When they had that, that particular health claim, there was nothing to back it up. So in response to this, in 1969, the White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, and Health recommended that the FDA have that system developed that identified nutritional qualities of food and then would allow people to kind of be able to follow that sort of recommended diet rather than sort of eating blindly, Uh I guess is a good way to say it. But really interestingly, after that, in 1973, there was a lot more scientific research about the health health benefits of different foods. And again, manufacturers continue to respond to the market with sort of unverified health claims. Uh-huh. So the Institute of Medicine said, well, let's talk about maybe developing a standardized label that could help those consumers make better choices. That makes sense, right? Right. <laughs> I think if you don't have the information, it can be really difficult to right. make good choices. So in 1990, after years of discussion, the Nutritional Labeling and Education Act was passed. And this is where kind of what gave birth to our most current nutrition facts panel that we're all used to seeing that gave the FDA authority to require nutrition labeling on food packaging with voluntary exceptions for things like raw fruits and vegetables and fish. They were also given control over those health claims. So Uh again, it was no longer good enough for just a manufacturer to slap a health claim on with nothing to back it up. And really, that final version of those regulations are passed in, like, 1993, 1994. Um, So that's, again, where we kind of started to see that nutrition facts label. And that's the one I think we're almost all accustomed. I have a hard time remembering, and I'm sure it was, but I have a hard time remembering when it wasn't there. When it wasn't there. there. Right. Because we're so used to it now. Yeah. And, of course, it's gone through, you know, a few little iterations here and there. The most significant change, though, has been in the last year or two. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today is we've seen this facts label updated. Yes. Um, Some of the really, what I'm excited about, some of those really exciting changes to the nutrition facts label. So yeah, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration's new label was finalized in May of actually 2016. Okay. And it hasn't gone into effect yet. The final rule was May 4th, 2018, and the compliance deadline so that for all food labels to now convert to the new changes is January 1st, 2020. So we will, we've already started seeing this in the supermarkets, the new label, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, I'm picking it up more and more. Yeah. Maybe not on everything, but right. I'm certainly seeing it. I would say probably on at least half of what I'm buying. Probably. Yeah, so any food company with less than 10 million annual sales has until this January 1st deadline. Okay. So it was supposed to be January of last year, but or it was supposed to have already been out by now. Regulation. But they kind of gave them a little more time. Right. 
So let me just kind of highlight some of the changes that you'll see on the new Nutrition Facts label. It has an increased uh, font size, which is kind of nice. Which is good for those of us who are getting older. Right. I mean, not me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting older, but you know, maybe I, you are. I don't I, know. <laughs> so well, I don't think it's just for that, though. I right. think it's also to call out the ah. calories, the serving size, and the servings per container. Because that is the biggest part of why a lot of people need to look at the label. Right. We need to understand that. We need to understand the calories, and then we need to understand the serving size of those calories, and then how many servings are in that package. Because sometimes something looks like a single package, mm-hmm. but it might have two servings inside of it. So let's talk about those serving sizes for a minute. I mean, okay. I, I think that's probably what confuses a lot of my patients the most is they assume, like you said, mm-hmm. one package is one serving, right? especially when something appears to be sort of single sized. Right. Let's talk about maybe a bag of chips or something. And then if you mm-hmm. actually look at it, um, I was at a restaurant this weekend and they were for opening day uh-huh. giving out packages of Cracker Jack. Okay. And Cracker Jack the bag looks like a single serving bag, yes. but if you actually look at the servings, there are three servings in one of those bags. And I thought, who is going to turn this bag into three servings right. realistically? <laughs> right, right. It's so hard, too, to tell when that third of the serving is gone, too. Exactly. I mean, look, there's air in the bag. Yeah. You don't really know. You're not weighing it out right? necessarily right. to know exactly, like you said, how 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 do I know when I've eaten a third of that right. bag? So I think that's important to remember, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So when you think about the nutrition facts label, the reason that is important is let's say there's somebody who has been told they need to monitor their sodium intake, mm-hmm. for example. Then when they're looking at that package and they do eat, all the Cracker Jacks that are in that or bag, then <coughs> the sodium that's in that bag, then you have to triple. Absolutely. So that's something that we need to educate people about if that's something that is something medically that they need to be concerned about. Right. So all that information on that label is based on you eating the one what? third of that Correct. bag of Cracker Jack Correct. or whatever the, the product is. So that's correct. When we have... The changes that have occurred include making a change to update the serving size to reflect commonly consumed portion sizes rather than recommended portion sizes, which is what a lot of labels used to be. And I don't know if that's what that Cracker Jack was. So I think if that was the new label or the old label. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So if it was the old label that kind of makes sense to me because I think they're trying to get it over towards so when you do open a bag if there's one serving in there that that's what you're looking at I see that maybe more on soda like or juices like bottles of juice where they'll say something is two and a half servings Mm -hmm. or a bottle of sweetened iced tea right and again I don't know too many people who turn that into two and a half servings it's such a kind of a bizarre thing anyway two and a half servings and and I think we're going to get to this a little later but a lot of what's on the nutrition label is marketing absolutely so I think part of that is when you're looking at a soda bottle and it says two and a half servings of soda it's better for them because it's only you know then it doesn't look as like it's a many calories. Right. The numbers don't look quite so outrageous. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. As they are. Yeah. Okay. So aside from the increased font, we do have the new label will no longer say how many calories are from fat. 
they just kind of talk about calories and then mm-hmm. they talk about grams of fat, but we don't, we're not going to see the calories from fat anymore. Some clients may want to monitor their fat intake and mm-hmm. look at staying below a certain percentage. Right. And so the reason that was helpful occasionally to see the calories from fat is, you know, because they could do the math, but mm-hmm. again, they'd have to do the math. Right. And so we have a better way, and I'm going to explain that in a minute. Okay, great. The other thing that the label does is change sugar to total sugars, and it requires the addition of added sugar. This Yay! is the, it, I may have had a party when <laughs> they announced an added this. sugar party. <laughs> because this is the most exciting thing I think to, hap- to happen to dietitians, maybe ever. <laughs> maybe, it may be. I'm I, so happy. I am so happy too. What you don't maybe understand, or maybe the clients that have listened to me explain this before will understand, is when you're looking at the sugar line on the, old label or the current label, that sugar line includes all natural sugars as well as added sugars. I can't tell you how much added sugar is in a product. The best way I was telling people to evaluate that was to look at the ingredients. And and the ingredients are listed by weight. So the higher sugar is in the ingredient then, the more it is in the product, but you really don't even know then. Well, and sugar can show up under so many different names that it's sometimes difficult to keep track. Correct. That's the other thing. Right. So you might say, well, I wonder if that particular ingredient indicates sugar. And so then you have to Google that or whatever. Right. To And I think that's just not efficient use Correct. of time. Right. So. We have to explain OSE at the end of any right. word may mean that that's sugar. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So. so that's good. That's the good news. And I've been so excited waiting for that to happen as well. The new label also gives the option of labeling vitamins A and C instead of requiring it anymore. Okay. And they require, however, labeling of vitamin D and potassium now. Very interesting. Very interesting. Now, the potassium is helpful to the clients that have kidney issues and and have to monitor potassium. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's, do they think that, I'm trying to kind of get in the head of the FDA, is it, that generally most Americans get enough vitamin C and A in their diet and it doesn't necessarily need to be focused on on a food label. It's not really a big differentiator in terms of when I'm telling somebody to look at something. Right. But, you know, like you said, you know, potassium can have some pretty serious health, you know, uh, implications as Mm -hmm. vitamin D. You know, we're also not necessarily all getting enough vitamin D in our diet. Right. But the funniest thing is there's not really a lot of vitamin D in a whole lot of products. Exactly. <laughs> so Isn't I'm that not interesting sure too? Yeah. That exactly. <laughs> will be that beneficial necessarily. Right. Except when it's there, it is beneficial to know. <laughs> so that's a little bit about the, the, the new label. So let's talk now a little bit about the basics of the Nutrition Facts label. So we've talked about the serving size a little bit, but generally speaking, you want to look here for the serving size and the number of servings in a package. And then compare that portion size to the amount that you would normally eat. Now, the new labeling law should help with that so that, again, like I said, it might be more indicative of a portion that people would normally eat instead of these standards that it was based on before. I'm now even seeing some sort of dual labeling on the back of things like like POP. 
where they'll say, you know, one serving is this and then, and then the whole, whole bottle. Mm-hmm. Correct. Right. They're allowed to do that. Right. So I'm so. seeing a little bit of that mm-hmm. sort of dual labeling going on. But again, I think it's helpful mm-hmm. because you, again, can get a picture of, okay, if I drink this whole bottle, correct. this 45 grams of sugar is now mm-hmm. much, much higher. Correct. And that was one concession that they made on the new labeling law is if they are going to say what a single serving amount Mm -hmm. is that they actually have to say what the whole package is that's great yeah it is because then people aren't doing math right in the store right so yeah and then you want to check out total calories calories can be important if you're watching your weight and just knowing again the calories in a single serving always just information that might be helpful to I'm understand. glad it's again going to be in a larger font yes uh, kind of calling that out just a little bit more mm-hmm. I think it is helpful absolutely yeah. yeah now percent daily values okay I hate percent daily values you do I, I do love them I do so okay. you know you tell me why I should in- enjoy okay. them because we're going to come down on opposite sides of the table here okay thing. that's but okay. I'm I'm I don't like them because they're okay. hard to explain so you give me okay. your best ex- explanation so okay. I can pass it on to my patients okay all right we'll do Percent daily value, let me back up a little bit and then I'll give you the easy way to explain them. Because So if you look at a percent daily value, it's based on a 2,000 calorie diet, how much of that nutrient a person should consume a day. Mm-hmm. Not all of us need to consume 2,000 right. And calories. that's exactly where my... My clients <laughs> stopped listening to me because then they were like, but I'm not supposed to have 2,000 calories a day. It's close it, enough. Right. It's close <laughs> enough, <Exactly>. seriously. <laughs> I've got clients at 1,600. I've got clients at 2,500. Right. You know what? Right. Honestly. I, like, but literally, that's where my clients stop listening. Oh, okay. They say, well, but, but you told me I was only supposed to have this many calories. <laughs> and so this, so tell me why. That's... So when we're talking about specific nutrients, though, mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, I don't think there's a big difference then okay. at that point. Plus or minus in terms of that. I, I, you know, unless there's specific medical condition that we have to consider, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's important. Because I guess, let's, let me kind of tell you generally what I look at that percent daily value for. Usually I'm looking at that percent daily value for things like the fat, cholesterol, sodium in a content in a product, as well Mm -hmm. as fiber. Mm -hmm and maybe vitamins and minerals. So that's where I'm usually using the percent daily value the most. And what we have to understand is basically 5% or less of the percent daily value means that there's not a lot of that nutrient in the product. Okay. And then if you've got 20% or more, then it's high in that nutrient. So I could see that, especially we talk about things like fiber. Correct. Where a lot of our clients are struggling and, you know, I think, probably we both personally struggle to get enough fiber in our diet because most of us do, Mm -hmm. that you could utilize that percent daily value. And I could see that as a way to say, okay, this has 20% or 25% of my daily value for fiber. Right. So this is a good source of fiber. might be a better choice over. I look at it in terms of comparing products. Okay. A lot more too with my clients. I'm looking at... If you're choose, if you're kind of looking at two different crackers, you know, and one has more fiber in it and one has less, you know, maybe consider trying the the one that's higher in fiber. 
Well, and that might be helpful if you had something that had like a different portion size. So something mm-hmm. that's 12 crackers or 16 crackers, Correct. you couldn't necessarily use the absolute value of grams of fiber where the percent daily value might be helpful. Like yes. you said, from a comparison point. Mm-hmm. I can, okay, you can sell me on that. Okay, good, good. <laughs> I guess that's where I mostly do focus my time on. So now when I when we talk about you know 20% or higher being high in that mm-hmm. nutrient, that can be good and that can be bad. So Absolutely. that's where it gets confusing too. Right. And so if you're talking about sodium and it's above 20%, then that becomes something that's to be cautious about. Right. And yeah, not, not something that we want. And whereas, again, like we said with the fiber, that's a good thing. And same thing with low, right? Right. Low is good for sodium. Right. Low is good for, you know, your saturated fat and cholesterol maybe. Right. Which it's not so good for fiber right. or your vitamins and minerals. Okay. Okay. I'm not, I'm not quite <laughs> as against them as I was before. <laughs> okay. So against them mostly because of the calorie and the – or just kind of – taking it one nutrient at a time? I think it's because they're a little confusing to explain compared to the absolute value. So I say like, okay, if you're supposed to get, you know, 25 grams of fiber a day, and this says five grams of fiber, you know you have 20 grams left to make up. You know, that it's really easy to teach because they can teach from that absolute value. Where I do find them helpful, I will say is, although not as helpful now as maybe they used to be, with things like calcium, because now they're at least giving an absolute value. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know, for example, you know, a woman on average is going to need to get about 1,000 milligrams of calcium, depending on her age. So now they're actually giving that absolute value rather than just the percentage. Believe yes. it or not, I've had some clients before that absolute value was declared on the label, on the, pre- on the previous iteration of the label, who said, well, does this mean that this is 25% calcium? Right. No, no, it means it's 25% of your daily value right. of calcium. Definitely. And that yes. can be really confusing. And Very. then you were asking people to do math. Correct, um, correct. That could be a little bit. But and now that we have those absolute values, I think that that can be helpful. Yes, that that is very helpful. Exactly. The yeah. way I look at it is just that, that comparison option. Right. And so that's what I use percent daily values for. It's a quick and easy okay. way to look at the label, too. And that's it's true. very quick. That's you know? true. So if you're comparing side-by-side side two items, it gives you something to really kind of compare quickly. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. I will no longer just hate them. Hate, on hate them. them. Okay. That's okay. okay. We can still, you know. We'll disagree. It's not that's great. That's really <laughs> All right, so let's check out nutrition terms. So on a food label, there are some terms that are things that they have that are defined. So when it comes to, for example, if a food label says that something is low calorie, it specifically means that it's 40 calories or less per serving. Okay. Okay. So and unlike the 1970s where they could slap a right. nutrition claim on it with no scientific basis, Correct. we have something, some type of standard now. Exactly. Which is good. And, and that goes for low cholesterol. Low cholesterol has to have 20 milligrams or less of cholesterol in the product or two grams or less. Oh, I'm sorry. And two grams or less of saturated fat. Okay. So if it says low cholesterol, it's actually also low in saturated fat. Right. Because we know saturated fat. <laughs> leads to higher cholesterol. Correct. Yep. Reduced. Anything that's reduced. It might say reduced sodium. It mm-hmm. might say reduced sugar. That's at least 25% less of that nutrient. Reduced is one of my pet peeves. 
Okay. I don't yeah. know about you. I know. It because can be. <laughs> it can be very deceptive. It can be. Reduced uh, sodium soup is still high in sodium. It is. Correct. You know, if you're reducing something from 1,000 to 750, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. You know, that's really not that great. Right. Um, nope. And reduced can be really deceptive. I've seen it on like reduced fat cheese. Right. That it's practically the same as the regular cheese. Yeah. The problem is where they get you is the fine line here is that it's 25% or less of the specific nutrient or calories in the usual product. Right. Right. right? So they're just taking whatever they had made to begin with. That was astronomically high in sodium. Is <laughs> now only. Slightly less slightly astronomically less. high in sodium. <laughs> Correct. It's reduced. It's reduced. Right. So yeah, that's not necessarily the best term to be looking for on a label right. or helpful. Uh, good source of, that means that percent daily value is between 10 and 19%. Okay, so the percent higher. daily values are not totally useless. No, see? Okay, good yep. source of. Uh, so good source is, a, is basically how they're looking at a specific vitamin or nutrient and per serving. Same thing with high in. If it says high in that nutrient, then it's 20% or more of the daily value. So I've seen that now. I'll see something that says high mm-hmm. in fiber. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that is helpful. Yeah. If you're, again, if that's your focus right. as a consumer is to eat right. more fiber, then mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Okay. Uh, Calorie-free is less than five calories per serving. Again, okay. pretty well-defined, complete, kind of just cut and dry. Fat-free, sugar-free means that it can, it has less than a half a gram of fat or sugar per serving. This one sends a lot of my clients over in terms of, Something on a label can say zero grams, Mm -hmm. and it can still contain up to half of a gram to be considered zero. Okay. Okay. That's not that big of a deal when we're talking about salt or sugar or something like that. It's very insignificant. Right. Uh, When we were talking about trans fats, that was significant. Yes. And so that was where I had to say, okay, yeah, even though this says zero, you have to look at the ingredient list for a hydrogenated oil. Right. However, you were telling me last week Mm -hmm. that maybe we don't have to worry about trans fats anymore. Well, right. And you're not going to see those partially hydrogenated oils Oils now in U.S.-based products. So, yeah, it's one of those things that was always tricky for my clients too when they would see zero grams but then they would go to that ingredient list and still see partially hydrogenated soybean oil Mm -hmm. and say well what's up with that right and again if you're eating one serving every once in a while yeah i'm not going to get that exciting but if you're eating three or four servings of a particular type of cracker or cookie that had those partially hydrogenated Mm -hmm. oils you could be easily consuming two grams of set of trans fats quickly yeah quickly or more Mm -hmm. correct and then it did add up quickly it did Low sodium means that it's 140 milligrams or less per sodium per, per serving. So that's a better indicator on your soups if mm-hmm. you see low sodium than right. the reduced. reduced sodium. Absolutely. Okay. Let's see. And then the other thing I use the label for is just, you know, just looking at and choosing those low saturated fat, looking for added sugars and sodium in a product. So... I have heard a couple of patients get confused about the added sugars line Mm -hmm. because they don't necessarily understand that it's part of those total sugars. Sometimes they feel like they're going to add them together. Mm -hmm. So they might see 12 grams of total sugars, 12 total sugars, and then underneath it'll say includes 
10 grams of added sugar. Uh-huh. So they think, was it 22 grams? And I say, no, actually. Oh, interesting. It's still just okay. 12 grams. Yeah. But the vast majority of those sugars in that product are coming from that 10 grams of added sugar source. Right. And only 2 grams are from a natural sugar source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that, you know, if you're looking at that label and you're saying, okay, how much of this is from a natural sugar source versus an added sugar source, you can kind of do a little bit of math in your head and say, okay, is the vast majority of the sugar coming from something natural like lactose and right. milk or, or fruit? Fructose. Yeah, fruit. Fructose. Or, right. Mm-hmm. Versus something that's coming from cane sugar or high fructose corn syrup or Correct. something like that. And so now that's separated out so that right. that added sugar truly is just added sugars that have no other nutrients as part of right. what they are. Is there, there are limits now. I think the American Heart Association has come up with some sort of guidelines. Although I think these guidelines are interesting to me because they're not necessarily like weight and age based like so many other guidelines are. Yeah. Um, they're talking about, what is it, 24 grams for a woman and 36 grams of added sugar for a man. For a man. And it's a nice jumping off point. I'm not sure right. it's necessarily the end all to be all. Right. Um, Again, you get back to your calorie specific diet. That right. can be two different things. Right. If you're somebody who's, you know, 250 pound, six foot one guy right. may have a different, obviously have a different calorie need than right. a woman who is five foot and 110 pounds, that their the added sugar percentages may be a little bit different. Right. I believe it's the dietary guidelines that suggest that 10% of your total calorie intake should be coming from added sugars or less. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's not that it should come. I said right. that wrong. <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to be consuming more than about 10% of your calories from added sugar. Right. And it adds up really quickly. And it it's does. in so many places you would not think it about. Yeah. The one that's shocking to me is like pasta sauce yeah. can be so crazy high in added sugar. And even though you're maybe you're not using a lot of pasta sauce, you know, people kind of get hung up. I see people get hung up on ketchup a lot and has a lot of added sugar. I'm like, yeah. well, you're just hopefully not even using that much. Right. You know, but pasta sauce, I mean, I guess if you use you a half are. a cup or three quarter cup on your pasta, that could add up. But that's why I'm excited to see the added sugars on the pasta sauce too. Right. That's one of those ingredients where, yeah, there's a little sugar in your pasta sauce. If I, I make homemade pasta sauce mm-hmm. and I have to add a little sugar to balance the acidity of the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. and But I'm not adding a lot of sugar at all. It's right. like one teaspoon in right. a whole big pot of spaghetti sauce. Right. So when you had the labels before, we didn't know. Was that sugar, a, you know, two tablespoons of sugar or a teaspoon of sugar? Right. You, but now we're going to really know because the tomatoes that are in the product also contain sugars. And right. so that's some of the sugars that were on that line before. And right. now we can really tell when we're looking at two different pasta sauces on the market, mm-hmm. which one has more added sugar. I so wonder if it will be inspiring to some manufacturers of things like pasta sauce mm-hmm. or ketchup or yogurt or whatever to, to reduce the amount of added sugars. Kind of, mm-hmm. I don't hate to sort of shame them into it. Right. But we saw it with trans fats. Yep. We yep. saw manufacturers remove trans fats mm-hmm. left and right yeah. when it had to be called out mm-hmm. and because they didn't want that in their product. Right. And I wonder if we'll start to see a drop in those added sugars where they're not necessary. Yeah, when it's not necessary, why? Right, why is it even there? Why? Right, exactly. Yeah. Let's see. Let's move along and talk a little bit more about the marketing terms that can be used on a food label. Okay. This is where it kind of gets me... A little frustrated 
because when we talk about these terms, the, unlike the other terms we were talking about before, these are marketing terms. So when we talk about, you see natural sometimes now on products. Yes. And natural basically has no formal definition. There's no USDA, Department of Agriculture definition of what that should mean. Right. Natural claims have become very common. Uh, so the FDA has not really engaged in a rule over this, but they do consider the term natural to mean nothing artificial or synthetic, including all color additives. Again, this is just what they consider. It's not like a rule yet. Right. I wonder there. what the enforcement is on that. There, Probably yeah, not real there good. Is none. <laughs> Probably not real good. No. Yeah. Uh, so doing due to a consumer, you know, inquiry on how natural can and should be used. Uh, the FDA did open a public comment in 2016, but... I don't think there's any, been no. any type of fi- final ruling on that. We haven't seen anything beyond that. Right. Now, the USDA allows the term natural to be used on meat and poultry labeling on products that contain no artificial ingredients or added color, and the product must only be minimally processed. Okay. So the label must explain the tr- the use of the term so they might they actually have to say no added coloring and minimally processed okay so they're asking for a little bit of a clarification statement on why it's being used correct correct and then we get into processed and unprocessed I think people think processed must mean, you know, a box of mac and cheese or, you I know. I think they do too. Right, when they think mm-hmm. of a processed food. And right. I, I think that's always, that would be an interesting survey yes. for your next Facebook okay. uh, post to say, yeah. what do you think of when you think of the word processed foods? Right, what foods are processed? Because there is, again, this is a misunderstood term. And a lot of people, I think, do think that that's an unhealthy food. It's on packaged foods that have empty calories and lots of additives. Mm -hmm. But actually, nothing could be really further from the truth. Process could mean a whole lot of things. Correct. So the USDA process refers to foods that have undergone a change of character. So, for example, nuts, raw nuts are unprocessed, Mm -hmm. but a roasted nut is processed. Uh, Adamame is unprocessed, but tofu is processed. I'm not sure many of my clients would think tofu is a processed food. No. They assume tofu is healthy. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, tofu well, is healthy. Well, it is healthy. Right. I guess I, I shouldn't have said that, right? <laughs> right. But they, they assume that that's not a processed food. Correct. Correct. And here's the here's the one I like, is a head of spinach yes. is unprocessed. But cut pre-washed spinach in those bags, that's yeah. a processed food. Wow. According to the USDA. Right. Yeah. So definitely a term that is not necessarily on its face value. No. All that and, helpful. And that's where I get I guess that's where I get railed up a little bit with that term because I I see it I guess the way the USDA sees it. Mm-hmm. And just I realize that process means okay, well it's not in its natural state. Right. And so yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Local I think this is interesting. The local, you know, movement of buying food that's close to where you live and it's environmentally sustainable, supporting the local economy, but still local can have a variety of nuances. I mean, it can mean so many things in terms of like, how do you define local, local within your state, local within miles? There's no like mileage requirement. Correct. Correct. Very interesting. Yeah. So, you know. I, I I'm I enjoy local, but really, 
Tell me what local means. Tell me what local means. I guess we just, we need to define it, and we have not defined it yet. Absolutely. Uh, Organic. Oh, organic. So, (laughs) now this one actually has a more specific criteria and, and legal meaning. So, the USDA defines organic meat, poultry, eggs, and dairy products as something that comes from animals that are given no antibiotics and no growth hormones Mm -hmm. and plant foods that are produced without the most conventional pesticides, fertilizers, and made with synthetic ingredients, bioengineering, or iodinized radiation. A government-approved certifier must inspect these farms Mm -hmm. and ensure that the standards are met. Uh, So in addition to organic farming, uh, they also talk about standards for handling and processing as well. I think organic's interesting because, again, I think there's a misconception that organic means healthier in terms of calories. I've seen that. I've seen, I think I've seen surveys where people who assume organic foods are, are lower in calories or higher in Nutrients. vitamins, minerals, mm-hmm. and, and the research just does not support that. No. Yeah. Um, there is no necessarily nutritional benefit in terms of getting more vitamin C or Correct. more lycopene out of the tomatoes mm-hmm. if you buy organic versus mm-hmm. buying conventionally grown. It's much more to do with how the food is processed and um, handled and your comfort level with the use of pesticides, whether they're conventional or organic. organic. Right. The other thing to remember is that without pest control, we don't eat and so, you know, you right. have to control the pests in some way. And just because they're using organic mm-hmm. pesticides, they're still using a pesticide or some way right. to control those pests. Yeah. Because food doesn't grow without it. Right. Or it goes know. bad really fast. And right. we have a big problem with food waste. And right. And there's this environmental side of organic that's interesting, too, which right. we might need to unpack at a different time. Right. But if the term organic doesn't necessarily speak to... Uh, an improved nutritional content. Correct. It has to do, it's much more how the food was processed or handled or grown, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily speak to the calories or to the sodium right. content or right. anything like that. Right. And there are three terms that you might see on a food label with this. So you can see 100% organic, and those are products that are completely organic or made of only organic ingredients, and they can qualify then for the USDA organic seal. And then a product may also say organic on it, which at least 95% of the ingredients are organic or qualify for the claim and the organic seal. Then you also have made with organic ingredients, and that is where at least 70% of the ingredients Mm -hmm. are certified organic. I'll see that like on mixes. They'll say something, mm-hmm. you know, mix a blueberry muffin mix made with organic blueberries. Right, yeah. Right, the, the yeah. rest of the mix itself is right. not organic, right. but the, the blueberries that were right. used, for example, are. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yep. All right. And then the other thing that's, the other marketing term that I see on a lot of food labels is, is GMO and non-GMO certified. This one... I think we need to unpack later probably and go a deeper dive in it, but Mm -hmm. I did want to talk about it a little bit. Genetic engineering is what we're talking about here, Mm -hmm. not foods and plants have been genetically modified for centuries and broccoli today would not look like if we used the broccoli from centuries ago and it wasn't ever modified, we would not recognize it. Right. And so... 
it basically helps us to improve a product, improve the nutrients, improve the taste, and things like that. So benefits of genetic engineering is that, you know, we can make foods more nutritious. For Mm -hmm. example, the uh, uh, rice with vitamin A. Right. And can make our food tastier Mm -hmm. and it can help with disease and drought resistant plants so that helps with environmental resources such as using less water using less fertilizer right using fewer pesticides using fewer pesticides right and so it can help with shelf life uh faster growing plants and animals and can help with desired traits such as the non-browning apples right and you know, medicinal foods and things like that. There are some concerns about genetic engineering foods, such as that it creates foods that cause an allergic reaction or that are toxic, uh, unexpected or harmful genetic changes, genes moving from a GM plant or an animal to another one uh, that's not genetically engineered, uh, or foods that are less nutritious. That's some of the fears that are out there. Mm -hmm. All of these concerns have been proven to be unfounded. Right. So none of the GE foods that are used today have or cause any of these problems. The USDA and the US Food and Drug Administration, sorry, the FDA does does assess all foods to make sure they're safe before allowing them to be sold. Right. And in addition to the FDA, did you also know that the Environmental Protection Agency and the USDA also regulate bio, bioengineered plants and animals? Right. I think it's also important to remember that not everything is even been subject to type any right. type of genetic engineering or what you might think of like that GMO type of label. Right. There are only a few foods. Right. And that's... <laughs> I think people think that everything... Right. And then I think there are some marketing campaigns that go on that claim that something is, is maybe doesn't have genetically modified ingredients. Right. Maybe with a little symbol... Right. That we've all seen on right. our... That, that non-GMO. Right. That, that, that imply that there is some sort of genetically modified equivalent. Right. And so, so the only food sources in the United States that are allowed, that are genetically engineered are cotton, corn, soybeans, mm-hmm. apples, papayas, which we wouldn't have if, they, if we didn't, if we hadn't saved them yeah. with genetic engineering, potatoes, and squash. So when people say, for example, who have gluten-related disorders, that it's the genetically modified wheat, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. There is no genetically engineered wheat on the market. Right. (laughs) Right. So I can't tell you when I went to FENCI, which is the food and nutrition uh, annual meeting that we have, Mm -hmm. and walking up and down the the marketplace and how many products had that on there, and I just... Was cringe. Hey, stop. Right. There, right. This is never would have. This is not a genetic modified food anyway. So right. why are you putting that on your label? Because they can raise the price. Yep. And because people are looking for it. Right. And that's what. Right. People think they need. People are looking. They need for, that assurity. Right. That insurance. Right. That it's healthy. Right. Or looking for not. that free from labeling. People feel better when they see something is free from a genetically modified ingredient, mm-hmm. even though that was never a genetically modified ingredient. Right. That's unfortunate. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And I agree. That is something we probably should unpack in yes. more detail um, because it is something that is extremely confusing to people. Mm-hmm. And I have patients who will avoid foods. Because they assume or pay a yes. higher premium yeah. for one that is unnecessary to pay that premium for. Right. 
And I think another unfortunate thing here is because of this pressure uh, that the USDA recently proposed a draft rule on labeling of bioengineering food and food ingredients and that those symbols or statements must be on those products by January 1st of 2020. Hmm. And I'm not sure that's going to help anybody. Right. What's the problem with that? Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. And so that just continues to feed feed that that fear. fear. Exactly. Feed into the fear. Yep. There are no side effects from consuming a genetic engineered food. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people online who will tell you you differently. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. All right. So one last thing that is sometimes on a lot of labels is gluten-free. But yes. we are going to get to that those secrets maybe in our next podcast. Yep, we'll talk a little bit about what that gluten-free label means because as we were looking at our um, Easter candy today, it was saying <laughs> right? always, always gluten-free or naturally gluten-free. And you asked me about that. You're going to see a picture yes. of that. Um, that dietitians, by the way eat candy. So that's your one secret um, for the day. But I I, I really enjoyed this particular label that said always gluten-free on this marshmallow chicks that we all enjoy at Easter time. Um, And yes, yes, it is always gluten-free. It never contained gluten (laughs) before. So let's talk a little bit about what that label means on our next podcast. Okay. That sounds great. And now I'm going to go eat some peeps. How about you? Yeah. So yes. these peeps, yeah, they look good. What? Like 140 calories. So what's the serving five, size? Five. You can eat five I can peeps, eat five. Oh, and wow. it's 140 calories. Wow. So. Wow. Yeah. 34 grams of sugar. That's a lot. <laughs> that's <laughs> that a lot. That is a lot. Most In of five. From added sugar, I would have guessed. Yes. No fiber. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. I'm still it's low in anyway. sodium. It's That's only right. 1% daily value. Well, see, there you go. And that is one question I guess I want to ask you. And this is a question I get from, from patients and from clients and classes that I teach is, mm-hmm. okay, there's so much on that label. How do I decide if something is high oh. in sugar, it's low in sodium. And if it's low in, you know, low in sugar, right. it's high in sodium or it's high in fat. How do you decide? How do you right. tell your clients? I know what I tell my clients. How do you mm-hmm. tell your clients? I basically tell them we need to see what's most important for you. And exactly. for you, then we talk about, okay, for you, I'd suggest that this is more important over this one. Right. And because you're just not going to find that perfect food. Right. You know. Right. So reduced fat, they always add more sugar. That's not good for my diabetics. Right. I'd rather them eating the full fat peanut butter, the full right. fat dressings. Right. Uh, then because most of the time they're they're actually the same amount of calories, but they have more sugar and less fat. Right. And so even for my actual for my clients who have high heart disease and things like that, I actually rarely I don't recommend the low fat reduced fat products either mm-hmm. because again well there's also this you know the a lot of times heart disease is leading to diabetes and, mm-hmm. and they're all related but that that fats that's in peanut butter is not a bad fat anyway right so and it's satisfying and, and, and it's, right. it's yeah it makes you feel full longer right mm-hmm. very interesting like I said I think it's it's hard because you get kind of caught up in the minutia of the food label mm-hmm. and you can feel really overwhelmed and I've had very many clients who want to throw up their hands and say why do you want right. to look at it right because there's so much information right. there and I just tell them no don't look at it then you know just look for this just look right. at this one this is more important for you 
right. or, you know, so we're not overwhelming our clients. Absolutely. And, yeah. Please don't feel overwhelmed with the food label. Right. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on The Secret Life of Dietitians. Check us out on our website at www.secretliferd.com. Show ideas are always welcome, and you can send those to our email address at dish at secretliferd.com. See you next time.